Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Five Fragen, or Five Questions, as we would say in English. This is our new podcast featuring the people who are at the heart of the Netherlands' diplomatic network here in the U.S. I'm Jeff Alanak from the Embassy's Communications Office, and I'm here with Bart Van Bolthuis, who is the head of the Economics Department here at the Embassy. Thank you for joining me today, Bart. Thank you, Jeff. Bart, we're here mainly to talk about the role economic diplomacy plays in your work. In fact, your economic team from throughout the United States recently met in Chicago to set out your goals for next year. But before we talk about that, let me start at the beginning. What's your background, and how did you wind up at the embassy? Well, my background is somebody who was interested in uh, internationalization up front. I studied international law, European law, politics at the University of Amsterdam, and during my career, I had a lot of background in economic diplomacy. So that's mainly my background. Yeah. Is this your first time here in the U.S.? No, definitely not. So I served as a consul general in uh, in the west of the U.S. from 2009 to 2013. First based in L.A. and later on in San Francisco. So yes. you're there for the move from L.A. to San Francisco? Yeah, I did a move. I merged the um, the uh, the consulate for in L.A. in an economic office that we had at the time. I was still with the Ministry of Economic Affairs in the Valley in San Mateo. I, mean, I moved, uh, merged that into a stronger office in. Uh, this still a strong office in San Francisco. It is. Yeah. I still hear from people every now and again that wish we were in L.A. again and uh, with a consulate. And, and it's, it's nice to be able to say, well, at least we have a, a, an MBSO there now. Yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah we, we, we took that decision to, to have a stronger team. And at the time, there were a lot of things happening in, uh, in, and still in San Francisco. Silicon Valley was close to Sacramento. And the experience in L.A. was it's such a big city. It's difficult to reach out to other um, to other cities. It's one of the states. biggest metropolitan areas in the in the country, I believe. If yeah, I'm not mistaken, it's second, huge. Second, yeah. But yeah. but I was happy that we continue to work very closely, and we still do with the city and county uh, of LA and people in the. In it's with our we have a great Netherlands business support office with uh, Peter Peter Post and others in uh, in uh, in LA, and uh, so it's still a very important place. What's an average day look like? for the head of the economics department at the embassy yeah, of the Netherlands in the I United States. I think the States. great thing in the job is that there is no average day. Um, every day is different. So last week, for example, I spent uh, two days in uh, Providence, Rhode Island on offshore wind and, and, and a day in New York. And So no average day. I couldn't work in a job with average days. I was where the days were the same, nine to five every day? No, 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 and the same kind of regular things. Um, so it's important. To, that's what I like in the, in, in the job anyhow, is that you move from time to time to, uh, to other places with other agendas. But still, there are, um, there are continuous factors. And so, for example, today I worked uh, a lot on the, uh, on the public diplomacy program, Urban Challenges, Urban Dialogues that we're working on. And, uh, hope to roll out in um, uh, in and with the people of um, of Baltimore and Detroit and San Diego and uh, so that is a, a theme that popped up also before my career in Istanbul but also back in the Ministry of Infrastructure and Environment where I worked for four years so uh, average day uh, so I'm head of the um, economic department but also um, we have a very strong economic team in the U.S. on, uh, we'll say, with nine different outlets, including L.A., mm -hmm. including the five consulates. Uh, people working on investment acquisition and innovation, on on trade, on on um, people 
focusing more on agriculture and food or on um, on infrastructure or environment climate and energy I do a lot of climate and energy myself so it's it's the whole team is I think we are it's something like 70 people in it's huge. Uh, and and most of us were in uh, in Chicago a few weeks ago to uh, once a year we're all together uh, on an average day if you say uh, I've uh, a lot of contacts with the colleagues around the country in the Washington team so there's a lot of bringing speaking with one voice aligning our our common agendas that's part of my uh, my my job next to a lot of communication with uh, with Dutch companies but also with uh, with the hill on, on, on different topics so Maybe. but a huge a huge network and uh, yeah try to bring that that work together and move into one direction. You mentioned a lot of fields there, in, in, uh, offshore wind. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there is there a field that you find most interesting or most satisfying, or that you're most energized to to work on, or is it all I equally important? Well, it's not all equally important, uh, and of course, everybody have has his own preferences. Uh, but I think there's also not without a reason that. During the royal visit that we had not so long ago, we we focused on the economic ties because we have strong economic partners, but also on the shared challenges. And uh, so I have a lot of energy on the topics of climate and and energy transition itself, but also climate adaptation, circular economy. Let's say the big transitions that we are on that we need need to make as uh, as countries as individuals. So. That is setting our agenda and gives me a lot of energy. So a lot of focus on energy transition and offshore wind and hydrogen are parts of that transition. It's so energy transition to uh, solar, offshore wind. Yeah, uh, away from fossil. Away from fossil fuels, yeah. 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 Is there any magic bullet there? It's a combination of a lot of things, but the magic bullet I would say is that we really uh, need to speed up. <laughs> need to speed up. Uh, today, even to, yeah, today, I think the uh, report came out of the United Nations about climate change is that if you add all the commitments so far, um, we would have a reduction to 1.8 Celsius uh, plus. So that's too much, but even more worrying that if you, if you if you count the the actions taken so far, I think we had 2.6 and 2.7 degrees. So that's we have to speed up. We have to speed up the the um, the technologies are there, capital is there. Well, we have issues with not enough hands and and materials to to make this speed up now. But uh, if you would speak about the silver bullet, is to bring everything together and 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 speed up and make it uh, make it happen. There's not much time to lose, and on the other hand, it's it's a great economic challenge, and uh, it's it's fun to it's great to see that uh, the big investors, the Dutch investors, here we are still the second investor uh, uh, here in this country. But if you look to companies like 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 Owl uh, Delez or um, Philips or DSM or you name it, a whole the financial sector they all in the forefront of making these transitions happen on climate and energy transition on circular economy. So to work together with them on that agenda is what we what we try to do to the maximum for the next few years. Yeah, let's hope it works. It has to. Before I started working at the embassy. I didn't fully understand the role embassies played in the relations between two countries.
Sure, I, I knew about passports and visas, how ambassadors represent their nations abroad, but that's about it. Your position is a bit different from my past understanding. What role does economic policy play in the relationship between the United States and the Netherlands? Yeah. What we tend to call economic diplomacy. Um, economic diplomacy is, um, is government to government, partly, uh, but it's also business to government. It's also business to business, and for business to business, it's, like, well, it's up to business to, to make the business context. But we can be very helpful, and we are very helpful in making the connections uh, for them, helping to find the connections, helping to find directions, assist them in, in being prepared for the um, American, uh, American market. I was even astonished to see how much appetite there is in a country like the Netherlands for doing business with uh, the US. It's number one by far. You know, the um, I think 10, 15 years ago, everybody was looking to, to Asia, but now most Dutch companies, a lot of Dutch companies see the US as a, as a very important market for growth next to the European market itself. So it's also our role, the network as a whole, to advise them uh, is it doable where to start. So uh, you might tell them, for example, where where's the best place for your to you to start operations depending right. on what the company is doing. Yeah. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, to well, not to tell them but to talk about advise, yeah, advise, advise. I guess them. that's and uh, so I'm during my career I was I'm a strong believer in what we call public private cooperation. Of course you have your own role as a government and as a as a private sector, but in, in, in working together, sitting together uh, together um, joint forces sometimes if uh, if needed is uh, very helpful for to give you the example about Rhode Island where it was with a group of 15 Dutch companies working on the field of uh, offshore and ground laying activities marine uh, offshore activities and and for them it's very helpful to work together in exploring markets in making contacts and for us it's also very helpful to work with them actively in in knocking on doors for states and if needed here on the hill, um, so that yeah, that really works. That so really using works. that that as an example, the the wind, uh, not necessarily offshore, but let's say wind in general. If if a Dutch company wanted to say we want to expand in the U.S., what states are looking to expand their wind power? Right. Is that something that you guys research as an example? Like yeah, yeah. they could come to you and say, yeah, you should go to this state because. Well, again, we, d we won't say you should go to this Okay, state, you but, could, yeah. But, yeah. but um, yeah, to talk about it. I think it's not about our reason that we're talking about offshore wind because of the, in, in I think the, of course, the U.S. is a very competitive market in itself. There's a lot of knowledge. So for, for Dutch companies, it's really important to, to raise the question, what can we add? What is, what kind of technology is lacking or what kind of capacity is lacking? Where can we fill the niches so to say and uh, if you're talking about offshore winds there's a lot of experience that we gained in the North Sea also and um, for example the ground laying activities for the um, for the for the turbines the how to connect on the grid um, and obviously we're focusing on on uh, on that state so that areas in the Northeast but now also in Virginia so uh, also with the, with the, with the, with the, with the state officials there or to discuss to share also the experience that we had from the gain from the from the government field so yeah we talked with the um, with the Dutch industry combined and say well that's that's now it's the time also to shift more attention to the mid-atlantic for example um, we talk about the future of floating winds but that's 
ripples just floating wind like uh, is that a, it sounds like a turbine on a boat somewhere uh, is that right a yeah but not on a boat but but floating but not necessarily turbines you have all, all kind of new technologies and um, like for example sails and and, and and kites and but the the, the if you think about floating winds, there is a lot more potential because there is a lot of far away floating possibilities, especially if you combine it with hydrogen. We have a huge hydrogen agenda in the Netherlands now, in the US also, so to combine that too, to combine it with, with offshore wind production data fields while we're working on, hmm. both from the innovation aspects, but also from the, from the commercial aspects. Yeah. yeah, okay. Now you mentioned this uh, a few minutes ago, but members of the Dutch Economic Network recently held their annual meeting in Chicago to right. discuss priorities for 2023. What three priorities will be key for the network next year? Well, I won't be surprised if I mention energy transition and climate. No, we covered um, that. I would, mention, uh, would like to mention also the urban agenda, urban. Uh, that because the, all the global challenges, they come together massively on, in urban and urbanizations, but also cities are also a breeding ground and a testing lab for kind of new innovations and can help also to accelerate. So um, the urban agenda would definitely will um, would like to. Um, Is that part of the urban dialogues that you mentioned earlier? Right, right, yeah? exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, Sounds like that might be a good topic for a future podcast. We'll, we'll oh, come back to that some, sometime. So what's the third one you think? <laughs> Is it easy uh, to name a third one? I was hoping you forget. While there are a number, um, I think we we made great progress and work together on health and life sciences and health. health. Mm -hmm. um, there's also connection of course with the city, healthy cities, but uh, also post-pandemic, um, reducing the cost and, and increasing the efficiencies of the, the in, 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 and also the royal visit. We had a great um, life science and health track. You see all kinds of new innovations also on, on what we call serious gaming, digital health uh, bring lowering the thresholds of access of uh, to, to, to health and healthcare. Okay. Um, I think there is a lot of things to gain and it's also neat if you look at the future and, and uh, aging populations and, and the cost of, uh, of, uh, of healthcare and the shortage of labor. So that is uh, also a topic that we continue to work. But there are others as well, like of course, yeah. cyber, um, uh, economic security, the whole world of supply chains, and uh, semicom as, a, as an example of it. So that I've, then I have five topics. Is that okay? That's okay. okay yeah. Well, you. you know, I ask for three, you give five. I say five questions. I think I've gone over that already. So we won't, <laughs> right. won't hold you to that. What will you need to accomplish before you consider your job done? Wow, um, I think it's never done. Never done. Yeah. So um, my posting here is ending in 2025, say correctly. Okay. Um, well, I hope that we made a lot of progress on this uh, on this topic, climate and energy transition, uh, urban agenda. Uh, that the team works really as a team as it is now, and that, uh, but it won't be, it won't be done because there will be new people uh, stepping in. So, um, so you got a job that's never done. It's kind of like rolling the hill, rolling the rock uphill, and then it, somebody else has to come up and keep right. rolling it up. Is yeah. that? But well, that's important also that you, uh, 
uh, being part of a team and also and, and hoping also in investing in the in the future of the team that we can continue to work on this uh, on these topics mm -hmm. um, yeah I guess too between r relations the relations between countries it, it's always evolving right. it's always different now versus four years ago versus eight years ago 12 years ago Absolutely. so in those regards it's a different Diplomacy so is never done. Economic diplomacy is never it's done. It's never done, and uh, and we are in a different world now. When I left San Francisco in uh, 2013, mm -hmm. yeah, say back in a different country, not only because it's the East Coast and the West Coast, but the country is different, the world is different, the world is changing very rapidly because we saw the pandemic with all the effects now, the energy crisis, the, the war in Ukraine. There are a lot of a lot of issues worldwide, but also in the Netherlands that uh, we, we also may talk about acquisition, getting talented people, companies from the US over to the Netherlands. It's mm -hmm. important also that our country as, uh, in itself addresses these issues that are out on shortage on housing, uh, how to deal with biodiversity and hydrogen, um, all the, all, so it is a it's, so it's very complex. The, the, I mentioned cyber economic security how to relate with countries like china mm -hmm. um the the need in speeding up on on energy transition but also the longer i think it's very important in our jobs also to work on the on the short-term and medium-term challenges but have also keeping an eye on the ball as we say on the nettles on the long-term challenges like climate change and uh, transition to a circular economy that is needed health and healthcare. so mm -hmm. yeah that makes that makes it challenging to work in this environment yeah. sounds like it i have one final question for you might even seem a little odd but i could use a dutchman to settle a long-running dispute it happens every november of course the big holiday in november here in the u.s is thanksgiving and we americans we grow up learning all about the pilgrims the mayflower mm -hmm. and the native americans they met here Mm -hmm. in Plymouth. But not until I started working at the Dutch Embassy did I learn that the Pilgrims lived in Leiden, the Netherlands, yeah. for a decade before they sailed across the Atlantic. Right. So you could say they were perhaps influenced by the Dutch before making the trip. They might have even acquired a taste for Dutch food, for example. So this is where I could really use some Dutch sensibility. Long-running dispute around Thanksgiving tables. Do marshmallows belong on sweet potato casserole? No, I don't think so. If, if you if you would follow the Dutch taste, no. But uh, so it sounds like this didn't come from the pilgrims. No, absolutely not. No, the, the, it's a, a very interesting story, of course, with pilgrims because they they came to the Netherlands because the Netherlands had freedom of religion. So they came from Puritan Britain. They came a lot of them were Huguenots. They uh, they came from Belgium and in, in France. There's a lot more to that history that we never learn in school here in the no, U.S. No, because a lot of in, so if if, if you so I, I was um, ten years ago at uh, at the hap at, at, a, um, at a meeting of the of the families of the of the of the Mayflower mm -hmm. Mayflower Society, and I talked about Leiden, and um, and we talked also about their about the family names and what they didn't know they, the, most of them expected them to have a British background but I think 80% of this 13 families or 11 families their names are, are originally French names and so they came from 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 Wallonie and, and, and northern France they were a bit shocked to learn that because they didn't know but uh, what they I think a lot of 
Americans don't know as well is that those people that came to the Netherlands for seeking freedom of religion, but they came in a very liberal uh, Leiden as well, so they became afraid that their kids talking and it wasn't religious it enough. Is that was that? It was not religious enough, and uh, and and then they decided to move to the U.S. Uh, to the U.S. to the other side of the to, to what start the colonies. What became the U.S. eventually? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To stop because to 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 they were afraid that their strong religious culture would like disappear and make them soft like marshmallows or something yeah so <laughs> you'll find it <laughs> uh, well, i don't know maybe but uh no but it's uh, yeah so that's I don't all think interesting marshmallows um, don't go back to to leiden but um but uh we're quite interesting well that's all we have time for today thank you, thank you again bart for joining me for this episode of five Frachen. though i think i went over my five questions again that's becoming quite a habit and to our listeners thank you for tuning in Please tell us what you think in the comments below and be sure to click on the subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode or the other videos we post on our YouTube channel. I'll be back behind the microphone next month with another member of the Dutch Diplomatic Network in the United States. Until then, you can keep up with our work on any of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Just search for NL in the USA and you can stay up to date on how the United States and the Netherlands have a partnership that works. Thank you, Jeff, for this opportunity. And uh, to the listeners, always ready to answer the number six or seven question. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Vraag nummer zes of zeven. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'll have to practice that phrase. Vragen. <laughs> Vragen. <laughs> I still have trouble with it after all this time. Thanks, Mark. Bye.